Welcome to the Heather Penny Podcast, where our goal is to help you reach your potential by increasing clarity, building confidence, and engaging courage. Dr. Heather Penny is a leadership coach, trusted advisor, and admired author. I'm Christina Morales, a writer and marketer, and Heather is my dear friend and my coach. So today we're launching into our theme for March, Your Powerful Life. And today we're going to talk about the world needs who you were made to be. And this seems like such an appropriate um, topic for, for March. We need to be empowered. So thank you, Heather, for sharing your time and your wisdom with us. Oh, you're so welcome. It's, I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you. So we're not going to start this um, series this month out easy, apparently, because this topic, it kind of hit me in the gut when I read the title. And my first thought was, well, how do I know who I was made to be if I don't know who I am? So I feel like that's the first part of this equation. How do we define ourselves? How do we know who we are? Wow. Yeah, you're right. You just, you just took a deep dive there. Christine. I came out swinging, <laughs> yeah. but it's actually a really great observation. My mind's already just clicking as I'm listening to it. I think the, the connection of knowing who you are internally so that you can show up externally in our world is so important because it keeps you congruent. Hmm. Part of what makes us feel a little off or even downright crazy is when we're trying to be something we're not. Hmm. And I think we all know that. So the more we're in touch with who we are internally, the better we're going to show up in the world and, and uh, give our best in who we're made to be. The challenge is that we're always evolving and growing. Yeah. So during one season, we might think, oh man, I've got a good handle on me. And I probably do. During another season, I'm still trying to live with this old knowledge and I'm not really embraced or integrated or taken time long enough to evaluate how did I evolve the last couple of years or months or even weeks, depending on whatever I'm living with. So I think this awareness of, of how we're living internally is so critical, but more importantly, a, a vigilant evaluation of where am I growing? Where am I achieving? Um, what fulfills me now? What do I need for affirmation? These are all four important questions that I ask quite a bit to just do a um, almost an internal wellness check to yeah. find out where I'm at. Yeah. And the second part of this equation feels like finding the balance between who I am and the roles I play in my life. I mean, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a writer, I'm a creative director, and I find so much of my identity in the job I have. And those times when I don't have a job, I have, I feel like I have no worth. So how do we separate who we are with what we do. Is that part of our identity? And is that part of our contribution to the world? Yes. Uh, You know, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about the show I just watched the other night. It's this new sitcom on, and it's it's about this mother. And one of the questions she keeps asking is, if I'm not a mother, who am I? Mm-hmm. And if my kids don't need me any longer, do I still get to call myself a mother? And you can just mm-hmm. see this existential identity crisis and it's done in a humorous way. But that's the question many of us are asking when things shift. We're like, wait a minute. I took a lot of my identity in being a mother or being a career person mm-hmm. or being a daughter or being a sister or a friend or whatever it is. Uh, I think we all have to go through these moments of saying, wait a minute, my identity is shifting. 
Yeah. One of the things I, I like to do when I work with people, I meet them here and this is, it's a vulnerable space to be in. And that's where we need our clarity. It's where we need our confidence. And that's where we need the courage to be able to shift. But I liken it to kind of lifting weights. I go, mm. oh, okay, you get to now strengthen your identity. It's feeling a little wobbly or it's shifting or it's feeling a little bit off or it's growing into something else. Yeah. It's learning how to walk pretty soon. It's going to learn how to run and it's going to learn how to fly. So seeing your identity as something that's constantly evolving and shifting and growing and how do we nurture it and care for it? Uh, I think that's our beautiful journey in life. And that's our, our beautiful challenge, I would say as well. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a female thing too, where I, cause I mentioned mom and wife and, you know, mm-hmm. that's just who I am. But my dad is interesting and in in, interestingly enough battling this because for 50 plus years, he was known as a CPA and a community leader and he did all these volunteer works and now he's retired and he moved to a different community. And now it's interesting to see his internal struggle of, Mm -hmm. okay, who am I? Because I don't have all these um, jobs and I'm not busy and I'm not up from eight to eight working all the time. And so I noticed this, it comes in different stages in life too, where now you're Um, a new employee and you build your business and then you have your family and then you retire and we have to keep determining who we are in that stage of life. So I love that you say it's constantly evolving. Right. I think it's, it's less about trying to get it right every time and just getting better at pausing and evaluating, where am I right now? And this kind of goes back a little bit to those four tires podcasts that we did together. And that's Mm -hmm. based off my research you know, and those four tires being about fulfillment, affirmation, achievement, and growth, learning how to say, wait a minute, what fulfills me? What fulfills me in this season? Maybe as a Mm -hmm. new parent, when maybe I didn't have kids just two months ago. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, learning that, that kind of questioning and evaluating, what do I need to affirm me? Where am I trying to grow? What am I trying to achieve? that's a quick check to just slow down and say, let me just see if I'm still on track with where I want my identity to continuously be growing and how do I strengthen it in these areas? Mm -hmm. And before this too, we were talking about COVID and how we're shocked. Like I didn't see this lasting a year. I didn't even see this being able to come into existence. I'm like, there's no way in this day and age that we can have a world pandemic. And then here we are a year later. And so our topic is the world needs who you are made to be. And so we've been talking about ourselves, but the world is changing too. Like Mm -hmm. your coaching business, a lot of it has been about how do you shelter in place and be isolated. And Mm -hmm. so the world is changing too. And we need to adjust to that aspect of it. Oh yeah. Great point. Mm-hmm. And so this topic got me thinking about when I was a child, <laughs> we're all born with hopes and dreams. And then maybe somebody says you're not good enough, or that will never happen. How do we identify and then conquer these negative thoughts about like when we're born, we're a blank slate and then we get everybody's fingerprints and moldings and shiftings. And so how do we know the authenticity of who we were made to be before people kind of tainted it or the world tainted it? Yes, that is a great question. And I will start with, I think the biggest myth around that is we only have to to stop and do that once and then we can conquer that. And then we have this amazing life of rainbows and unicorns Mm -hmm. (laughs) where we have all these amazing affirmations and beliefs. 
That's really not the case. Um, a lot of times I like to talk about what I call the shadow side of success. So it's something a lot of people don't talk about, but the more successful your life gets, the more thriving and beautiful and big your life becomes. Uh, interestingly enough, those false beliefs start creeping back up again, like little gremlins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I could even just using myself as a personal example, I could feel it this morning because I'm on the cusp of launching a book mm-hmm. where, you know, we've hit a thousand podcasts. We're getting some great feedback on it. And it's this exposure of putting myself out there. Now you would think, oh, I feel amazing. Oh, Yes, on my good days, I do. And on my not so good days, I am wrestling these um, kind of old false beliefs that are starting to creep up because of the vulnerability and the space that I'm putting my, myself into. Mm-hmm. Just recognizing that kind of comes with the territory for growing and learning what to do about it. That's where I think we get to step into that space and say, okay, I'm going to take some extra time this morning. I mean, even as we're talking, I said, Hey, Christina, I'm taking next week off. Mm -hmm. I can feel that I need it. And it gets to be a restoration week. So I think we're paying attention to even in the middle of high success, some of the vulnerable spaces that start opening up and how we care for those and tend for those. That's really what strengthens our identity and not doing it actually begins to hurt our identity. And then what do we start doing? We start waiting for the applause, you know, and our whole connection to identity is what does the world think of me? Mm. So that's, again, the shadow side of success. And of course, we see it in fame and Hollywood all the time. We hear some really wise, uh, famous people talking about it and recognizing the shift of, I don't want my identity to be attached to what people think of me. I want to be able to carry it strong and hold it internally Mm. within me and show up well in this world. That's Mm -hmm. what leads to a powerful life. And that can be hard too, because we're labeled like Mm -hmm. you're a woman or you're this ethnicity or you're this age or the way someone interprets our skills. I mean, maybe somebody would say, Mm -hmm. well, you're a coach. Um, Do you really want to be a writer? Do you want to take away from your coaching? How do we throw off those labels to determine who we are and not let those voices become so powerful in our mind? Yeah, I think we have to stay curious you know, there's some truths the worlds are trying to give us and we get to stay curious about it, but we also get to put a boundary down with any kind of shame that they're trying to attach to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've worked in a lot of different settings where I was the minority and it didn't both minority in race and and minority in gender. Mm -hmm. And it was easy for me to get labeled and it to be a negative label. And it was also just as easy for me to say, oh, yeah, I'm totally the minority, but here's what I get to offer. Yeah. <laughs> and here's what I want to be about. Doesn't mean I'm always getting it spot on or hitting it perfectly, but it does mean that I get to pay attention to who I am, the body and the world and the space that my soul has been dropped into. I get to pay attention to that and say, wow, what is it? How is the world perceiving me? What do I want Mm -hmm. to take in and what do I want to put a boundary around? And then recognizing that people do need context for us, for who you are. I think if you just let the world define you, that's where we start losing our power. As Mm -hmm. we start saying, this is who I am as a coach, as a mother, as a woman, as a leader, as a fill in the blank, a wife, we get to start defining all of these areas and recognizing, yeah, we get to show up well in all our areas. And this is what it means for me to be Heather in the world. This is what it means for me to be Christina in the world, having really good clarity on that and all the different roles. 
allows you to own that so that other people aren't uh, owning it for you or labeling it or convincing you, mm-hmm. or maybe even distracting you of the identity, the true identity that you're supposed to be showing up with. Okay. Every time we talk, I get a wow moment. So I love that. <laughs> it's not uh so don't let the world define you define yourself and you tell the world who you are. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's my bumper sticker for <laughs> my car now. No, yeah. It's like, this is who I am and yeah. don't let them tell you who you are. That's so powerful. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I, I will say I've learned being the minority, you know, I've worked in, um, uh, like countries of in Belize, I worked in East LA, and those are just two examples of where I was definitely the mm. minority. And I stayed very curious on how they perceived me. Hmm. Why it didn't necessarily mean it was me, but it was definitely a representation of kind of the race and what they had encountered with my race, so to speak, both the positive and the negative. And I think letting people feel safe in that and embracing that allows people to open that conversation but it's not my job to own all of it, nor is it my job or nor is it um, necessary for me to say how you perceive me makes me right. Mm -hmm. It's just, I just get to stay curious about it. And then I get to tell them who I am. Yeah. Not, not representing either the whole race of what I was born into or the whole gender of what I was born into. (laughs) I'm not going to speak for that, nor am I going to own that but I get to own my presence in this world and I get to stay curious about how I'm perceived in this world. Mm-hmm. And when you're saying that, it reminds me of this past job I had where the boss was, she was just so worried that everybody was talking about her and that we we're gossiping and that we we're going to leave her. And mm-hmm. then she would falsely accuse me of doing those things. You don't like your job, do you? You're not happy here. Are you yeah. You're gossiping and talking? I'm like, no, I'm not. I, but that was, and so then I started getting really insecure. Okay. Am I a gossip? Am I divisive? Am I? And I had to realize I had to talk to my husband about it. Like you're saying, get your circle that you trust. And I'm like, Vince, is this who I am? Because this is who she's believing me to be. And that's not me. And so I had to realize, okay, she's looking at me through her lens of her experiences and her pain. Just because she's looking at me like that doesn't mean that's who I am. And eventually I left because it was toxic and it wasn't going to get better. It was only going to harm me. But I love that you say that people are going to look through their lens, but that doesn't mean that's who we are. That's not our identity. Yeah, it's so well said. It makes me think of our first uh, podcast on that gray space series. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a great example, Christina, of you responding versus reacting. But could you feel the pull to react? You know, insecurity can breed insecurity. You want to have a strong enough identity to say you are, you may be insecure (laughs) and I'm feeling the pull to be insecure, but I am going to respond to this, which means I'm going to go check this and then recognize this is not a good situation for me and I'm going to get out of it, but I'm not going to react to it with more insecurity. Mm -hmm. So the power of staying in control of your own identity and your own perception is what the world is looking for. So you were able to give a sense of clarity in your little space there. You probably even influenced someone else around you. didn't even know it. Hmm. Well, um, here's my little asterisk. Um, I did cry in the parking lot many days. (laughs) So I did react before I was like, wait a minute here. This is too hard and it shouldn't be this hard. (laughs) And then I responded. So, you know, I had, I had to confess. (laughs) 
Well, I'm just going to encourage you. The crying in the parking lot is still another healthy way to respond. <laughs> really? But yeah. You could have gone back and yelled at her, your own insecurities and then escalated it. Yeah. So you were getting unfairly and unjustly accused. You were appropriately feeling the emotions of that. You were grappling with it. You were going to safe places. And then you were taking your power back and saying, I get to do what I need to do for me. Mm-hmm. So all the way around, Christina, A plus on your response. <laughs> Thank you. That's why I love you. And that's why I'm going to replay this over and over. <laughs> Go live your powerful life now. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> well, and you know what? I, now I learned what I don't want. And now I'm in a really good place where mm-hmm. I'm grateful. So I'm grateful for the pain because now I'm grateful for the peace. So, well, hang on. We just need to pause right there because again, your ability to have the gratitude yeah. allows you to understand the life lesson. So that it doesn't keep you stuck there. That's the secret of a powerful life. You were able to move through the pain of all of that, respond appropriately, and then move into gratitude. Mm -hmm. Just again, well done. Thank you. (laughs) No, I'm like, yeah, that, okay. You can't see me, but I'm tearing up. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So uh, let's take this from a different angle now. So how do we discern who we were made to be versus who we want to be? Like, I want to be a size two, but my body was made to be a size eight. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, that was true. But, I mean, we talked about this in the last episode. My daughter's in the next room, but she wants to be a singer and she doesn't have the best voice. So how do we, yeah, not going to happen. So how do we discern (laughs) who we were made to be versus our dreams and what we want to be? Sometimes we can achieve them and sometimes it's not meant to be. Well, I think I'll just talk about myself personally on this one because I'm not quite sure I can speak to it for everybody. Well, so I think I just want to own it for me. I would say, you know, I'm I just hit 50 this last year. And so I'm I'm kind of moving into that second half of my life. And I am learning the value of stopping on a regular basis. And when I say regular, I would say I've developed more of this rhythm for daily checking in with myself. And that's like anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour, you know, weekly checking in with myself. That's a couple hours, monthly checking in myself. It's like a half a day. And then annually checking in myself. It's like an overnight or me retreat. Mm-hmm. I'm learning this rhythm to check in with myself to say, are you still on track, Heb? <laughs> are you still mm-hmm. heading in the direction that you want to be going? Mm-hmm. And I, I obviously I coach other people in doing this. I call it the thrive plan, but I think that's what helps me stop and realign. And I, again, I'll speak for myself. I'm a high achiever. I run fast and I'd love to accomplish a lot and I'm not going to apologize for that. Yeah. But the shadow side of that is I could easily get off track. You know, I could just start heading for, and it only takes one or two degrees, right? Think about on your, on your ship. If you just get off one or two, three degrees, you think you're going to be landing over in Hawaii and you're going to be over in Antarctica. (laughs) So I think recognizing it doesn't take a lot. You just want to go back and keep having a rhythm to check in with, am I still on track? Am I still on track? And it's almost like you become a student of yourself and saying, am I still heading in the right direction? Do I like who I'm becoming? Mm -hmm. Is there something that's coming up that is keeping me stuck? Is 
am I not really liking the reflection in the mirror right now? <laughs> I mean, then those are hard spaces. I've looked in the mirror and go, I don't really like how you sounded today as a mother all day. Mm. Like, <laughs> it was not fun being with you today, Heather. Imagine what your kids felt like. <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of taking that space to be honest, but be kind of curious and tender and kind with yourself so that you can realign and say, let's try a little bit more tenderness tomorrow. Let's try a little bit more patience tomorrow. Oh, I think you're being impatient with your kids because you're being impatient with yourself. Hmm, These are just a quick little alignment checks that I do. And if I don't do that, it's amazing how quickly I can get off track. Mm -hmm. And so what happens if we neglect this journey of becoming who we were made to be? Uh, Is it a feeling of not being satisfied, not reaching our potential? If we're not, like you said, if we take those two degrees off, how will we feel like we won't reach our potential? And so it'll be, it'll feel fruitless. That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked it because this is what I would call kind of the gift of anxiety, the gift of depression, the the gift of some of these harder emotions. They're Mm -hmm. signaling to us that we're off, you know, depression is this idea of anger turned inward. What are you really angry about? And let's be honest about it. Mm -hmm. Is it, is it a long systemic steaming anger that's just been brewing in you for years? Is it something recent that's happened? You know, what is it's causing your anger to turn inward? Um, the anxiety, what are you really feeling anxious about? Typically, when I work with people with anxiety and they'll get on the phone very anxious, my goal by the end of that conversation is to hear them talking like this hmm. versus, okay, Heather, I need help with it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can feel <laughs> it over the phone lines. And my hope is that what what's really happened is they're grabbing on to their sense of true self. And my job is to help them not only grab onto it, but hug it and hold it tight. Mm -hmm. Because that's where I think the anxiety often comes from is I can feel my true self slipping and people are pulling at me and agendas are pulling at me and crises are pulling at me. And just the daily grind of life is pulling on me. And I can't seem to hang on to my true sense of self. I've lost my clarity on who I am. That I believe is the gift of anxiety. And I think when I'm feeling anxious, instead of getting more anxious about being anxious, which is a common cyclical catch 22 that many anxiety Mm -hmm. anxious people can fall into. And I say this with all my fingers pointing back. I just gently say, okay, where are you losing some of your true sense of self? What is it that you really want to say that you're scared to say? What is it that you're avoiding that you don't want to, you know, you don't want to face. And I think there are days when I can do it really quickly in a couple seconds. And then there are other days where I'm like, I can feel it, this bigger issue emerging. And I have to kind of journal about it, spend a little more time in it, maybe talk to a friend about it, maybe talk to a counselor or coach about it. But I let the, um, the truth come out so that I can stay true to myself and I can feel the peace returning. What I, I've come to realize is that much of my um, anxiety is connected with a deep ability to cultivate peace. And it feels so counterintuitive, but as I begin to recognize my anxiety is flagging that my peace is really getting sabotaged. And it's usually has to do with my true sense of self. Someone is telling me to do something or pulling at me or putting expectations on me or communicating. They're disappointed. at me. these are all things that make me want to start tap dancing, (laughs) which only keep me anxious because I have to let go of myself in order to keep them happy. 
I love that you call it the gift of anxiety and the gift of depression. I mean, we're just going to be real here. I'm, I I struggle with depression. I'm on medication. I will totally admit that. Um, And it's so cool that you say that it's a gift because it reminds me of the, the gaslight on the car, like, okay, warning, something's not right here. Let's adjust. Or just even if you like break your arm, you have pain, you know, you have to address it. And so I've never thought of it that way as a gift. I've always thought of it as a burden that I have to bear, but it's good because it means that my body's out of alignment. My mind is out of alignment and I need to fix something to find that joy again and to find my true self again. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, I I do need to clarify that because I know what it feels like to be in deep depression and it's not fun to hear someone call it a gift. (laughs) So I (laughs) I want to see if I can stuff those words back in my mouth a little bit. And backpedal and just say, it's not as easy as just to say, these are all gifts. I guess I want to honor the sacred space around it. It's both a burden uh, it's both and a gift. There's, mm-hmm. there's things we can learn from it and there's things we have to endure with it. And there's things that are so deeply confusing and painful that nothing in it feels like a gift. So I guess I, ge- I gently want to honor that space too and recognize that um, that can be hard on the heart if, if we're feeling like we have to just see everything as a gift. Mm-hmm. No, that makes, that makes sense. That's good. And so, um, just so we get a clear picture of what this looks like, can you describe who the world needs Heather Penny to be? If we can hear you define it for you, then I think it's easier for us to define it for us. So what does that sound like? I think the most simply, the simplest way I could put it is, The world needs me to hang on to my true sense of self. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm done. That's it. That's it. Okay. (laughs) Just to be our true selves, just to honor who we are, who for just who God created us to be, knowing that. Yeah, you know, this thing makes me think of a really dear heart friend I have in my life and she must've said this 10 or 15 years ago to me when I was in a very deep, dark space. And I just remember, I still remember her looking at me saying, you do know, I love you just for you and not, Mm -hmm. not for what everybody else seems to love you for. Mm -hmm. And it was this Mm -hmm. huge aha moment of what unconditional love gets to feel like in her kind of saying, I see you tap dancing for everybody and it's okay but that's not the part that I like about you. Mm-hmm. I like the, the soft, vulnerable, sweet, kind, loving part that no one else really gets to see as much. That became a really strong catalyst to embrace and integrate really my, my strong sense of self and my sensitive side of self. And someone said this to me yesterday. Uh, it was a client I was working with. He goes, Heather, I just want to tell you, Brene Brown talks about strong back, soft front. He goes, I think about you every time highest praise ever, because I love Brene and I love what she has to offer. And I think that's what I try and be. He goes, you have this sense of a strength about you, but a softness about you. And I think that felt like, oh, that only took me 30 years, mission accomplished, integrate some of that strength in me by sensitivity. And I hope that's what I grow in more and more because that's my true self. I am both strong and I'm both sensitive. I have the ability to move forward and drive things forward, but I'm very sensitive to the plight and the human condition and the pain that people are having to work, live with and grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. But I do believe we can spiral up. Oh, I love that. 
<laughs> we'll end on that note. <laughs> okay. Spiraling up. Let's end on that one. <laughs> Let's spiral up for our powerful life. <laughs> and that's all the time we have for today. So join us next week when we talk about blaming others keeps us stuck. Please subscribe to the Heather Penny podcast. And for questions, comments, and resources, visit heatherpenny.com. Remember to live your best life. You have to live intentionally. Have a great day. And we can't wait for you to join us next week. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, everyone. Take care.